Hello and welcome to Huguenot Podcast, episode 136. This is going to continue the reading the Eddas uh, by Snorri Sturluson. So I will get into that in just a moment. But before I do, let me get through the station news. Uh, if you want to check out my website, feel free to do so. That's hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. Um, if you wanted to check out Steve's book, you certainly can. The links to that are in the show note. It's just Stephen Oaks on Amazon. My own book's there as well. Lightbringer. I only have one. He has many. Uh, so feel free to go to Amazon and check those out. The links are all in the show notes. Oh, I haven't mentioned Steve does a blog too or Twitter or something, a social thing that I don't do. And that is also in the show notes. So you should definitely check that out. Uh, But yeah, it's all in the show notes. So let's just go ahead and jump right into today's topic, which is the edits. All right. So last time... I believe we were talking about Frey and Freya. Those are two of the more popular gods. And I think I said this last time too, but like all the gods are important, obviously, but some gods are just more approachable than others. And for that reason, we're more popular than others. Frey and Freya were some of the more popular gods. Well, god and goddess, I guess. Uh, so uh, Njord, and that's their father, Njord of Noten, had afterwards two children. The son was called Frey and the daughter Freya. They were beautiful in appearance and mighty. Frey is the most glorious of the Aesir. He is ruler of rain and sunshine, and thus of the produce of the earth. And it is good to pray for him for prosperity and peace. He also rules over the wealth of men. And Freya is the most glorious of the Asinjur. She has a dwelling in heaven called Folksvangar, and whenever she rides to battle, she gets half the slain and the other half Odin, as it says here. There is a place called Folksvang, and there Freya is in charge of allotting seats in the hall. Half of the slain, the chosen each day, and half has Odin. Half the slain, she chooses each day, and half has Odin. And I think I talked about why that's significant. Um... It was a pretty long conversation, so you can go to the other episode to check that out. Uh, but it, it is really interesting that uh, the Einherjar are, are not the only people who die in battle who are saved. Freya gets the first peck. Sisrumnir, her hall, is large and beautiful, and when she travels... And when she travels, she drives two cats and sits in a chariot. She is the most approachable one for the people to pray to, and from her name is derived the honorific title whereby noble ladies are called Frover, noble ladies. She is very fond of love songs. It is good to pray for her concerning love affairs. Okay, and I think I said this too. I think I'm rereading a little bit here. I think I said this too. She is the goddess of love, very approachable. Yeah, this is all in the last podcast. Then, then spoke Ganglary. Then spoke Ganglary. Most important these Aesir seem to me to be. And it is not surprising that great power is with you when you claim to know details about the gods and know which one must be prayed to for every prayer. But are there yet more gods? Hi said, there is also an as called Tyr. He is the bravest and most valiant, and he has great power over victory in battle. It is good for men of action to pray to him. There is a saying that a man is Tyr valiant, who surpasses other men and does not hesitate. 
He who was so clever that a man who is clever is said to be T-wise. It is one proof of the bravery that when the Aesir were luring Fenris Wolf so as to get the fetter Glepnir on him, he did not trust them that they would let him go until they placed Tyr's hand in the wolf's mouth as a pledge. And when the Aesir refused to let him go, then he bit off the hand at the place that is now called the wolf joint rest. And he is one-handed, and he is not considered a promoter, and he is not considered a promoter of settlements between people. Okay, so I did read that last time too. That's one of the most famous stories, the binding of the Fenris wolf. Um, I've talked about it a lot. It's in old episodes. You can read it there. If you're not familiar, just Google it. It's all over the place, and it is a really good story. Um, I believe it's in the Poetic Edits. Oh, if you happen to meet new, and you haven't listened to the episode forever ago about the Poetic Edits, I would suggest listening to that. And, of course, reading it yourself. The Poetic Eddas have always been my favorite Edda. They have the most concentrated, I don't know if that's the right word, but they have the most concentrated lore, where they just have a lot of just straight-up lore that you can read to get, especially the Valsapa, which is in the Eddas. It just tells you how the world created and gives you the fundamentals of Norse mythology lore. So, if, if you're new to the podcast or if you're new to Norse mythology in general or Austro in general, I would 100% go read the Valsapa. And you can get that at Sacred Texts. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a link in the show notes to the Sacred Texts and then you can find the Valsapa from there. Or you can just go to the website hugenhoff.org slash podcast and just do a control find for Valsapa. I'm doing it in real time. It's episode 9. Here we finish discussing the Valsapa. So that's that's an episode. Let's see. Starts on episode 7. So you could go there and get the link to Sacred Text. So in case you don't want to buy your own version. I personally like the Hollander version of the Valsapa best. There's lots of other, ver- or the Poetic Edda's, which has Valsapa in it. There's lots of other versions out there that you could read. Anyway, the Valsapa's great. If you haven't read that, do. But that is an aside. Getting back on track, there is one called Braggy. Oh, and I think we got here because Braggy is um, a god that I feel close to. I've just always really liked Braggy. Oh, when we talked about Braggy and how he keeps the gods alive through stories and how Iduna keeps them alive, quote-unquote, physically through giving them the apples. And that was like a cool synergy. Uh, So I'll go over this quickly since we already talked about it. There's one called Braggy. He is renowned for wisdom and especially for eloquence and command of language. Especially he is knowledgeable about poetry and because of him poetry is called Brag. And from his name a person is said to be a Brag, chief of men and women who has eloquence beyond others. Whether it is a woman or a man. Idun is his wife. She keeps in her casket apples which the gods have to feed on when they age. And then they all become young, and so it will go on right in, right up into Ragnarok. Then spoke Anglari. It seems to me that the gods are staking a great deal on Idun's care and trustworthiness. Then spoke High Laughing. It nearly led to disaster on one occasion. I could tell you about that. 
But first, you must hear the names of some more Aesir. That is the story to where, or that is a reference to a story where um, Iduna got kidnapped in large part because of Loki, and the gods started getting old, and then they had to go rescue her before they all died. Pretty sure we've gone over that story before. Um, we'll see if it comes up later, but that's another good story. Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of Iduna stories. Uh, that's one of the few I can think of. There, there is one called Heimdall. He is known as the White As. He is great and holy. Nine maidens bore him as their son, all of them sisters. He is also called Halenskiddy and Gulantani. His teeth were of gold. His horse is called Goldtop. He lives in a place called Himinbjorg by Bifrost. He is the god's watchman and sits there at the edge of heaven to guard the bridge against mountain giants. He needs less sleep than a bird. He can see by night just as well as by day, a distance of a hundred leagues. He can also hear grass growing on the earth and wool on sheep and everything that sounds louder than that. He has a, trum he has a trumpet called Gallarhorn, and its blast can be heard in all worlds. The head is referred to as Heimdall's sword, thus it is said here. There is a place called Himinbjorg, and there they say... It is Heimdall, who is ruler of the holy place. There the gods' watchman drinks in the pleasant hall. Mary, the good mead. Okay, that was a lot. Heimdall is another very important god. You've probably heard of the Galar horn, the horn that Heimdall will blow when Ragnarok comes. So Heimdall's job is to watch, and to watch for the giants coming which will start Ragnarok. So it's like, it's extremely important if he wasn't there to watch then. They w the gods wouldn't be prepared and they'd almost certainly lose the battle in Ragnarok. So it's an extremely important job that he has. Um, he's very noble. You know, it says he has gold teeth. Um, he is known as the white ass because he's as because he is um like a yeah he's just a really noble god now i think it's interesting that he's born of nine sisters like what does that mean what's that saying i don't know the answer to that i think that's a interesting thing to think about like what does it mean that he's born of nine nine sisters um and i thought there's a reference to calling them waves or some sort of ocean reference but that could be wrong i'm not seeing it here anyway we'll stick with what it's saying right here um he does sort of have an interesting birth i suppose which is kind of which is kind of interesting um i kind of think Heim, heimdall's a really interesting god because i sort of think that it's easy to underestimate the importance of what he's doing because a lot of the other stories of the gods are really active like you know thor going out and killing giants odin traveling the world but heimdall's job is one of the most important because without the watching without the paying attention without the being prepared ragnarok really would go poorly so he's it just um it's just a really 
important god that probably deserves more study than he gets uh he is important enough that he's the one that fights and kills and then is killed by loki in ragnarok so that's a that's a really important position for any god to hold so yeah he's a he's a really interesting god there's also and i think we've gone over this before but he's part of the lay of reg uh where it kind of talks about where the classes of humanity come from so that's sort of interesting like how is he caught up in that he's almost like uh, I, I think sometimes he's called the father of men so he's sort of like caught up in the whole putting humanity on the track that they are on now uh so yeah i feel like heimdall maybe doesn't get as much talking about as he should because he's very pivotal to the gods and ragnarok and all of that and he's even pivotal to society and creating society and stuff like that so he's another kind of complicated gods where he's not he's not just watching even though that is one of the things that he does he's also important in like creating society and and stuff like that so uh heimdall though if you want to sum him up in in uh in a sentence is he is the one who watches and he's the one who will blow the galahorn when ragnarok comes to call everybody out to battle all right and moreover he says himself in heimdall Dargalder, offspring of mine, offspring of nine mothers am I, of nine sisters am I the son. So again, talking about his nine mothers, and it's interesting, nine is a very magical number. So, like, his parentage here is implying that he is again very special and important. Hod, oh, that's the end. Okay, so moving off of Heimdall onto Hod. Hod is the name of one as he is blind. Only too strong is he, and the gods would prefer that this as did not need to be named, for the work of his hands will long be kept in mind among the gods of men. Oh wait, that doesn't, and then it goes on to Vitter. That doesn't really make sense out of context. We have to remember that Hod is the blind god who Loki killed and tricking Heimdall. I've always kind of felt bad for him because um, Vali killed him because he killed Heimdall. So that was like uh, vengeance, I guess you'd say. The idea of, uh, yeah, yeah, Vali was a god of vengeance. And he killed Hod. And I always kind of feel bad for him because it wasn't really his fault. Because basically what happened is Okay, I'll, I assume everybody knows this story about um, how Balder died, but I'll go over it super fast. Balder had a dream that he'd die. Freya went around and made everything promise not to hurt him except the mistletoe because it was too young to consent. Loki figured out the mistletoe hadn't consented, made a spear out of it. Everyone was throwing stuff at Balder to show that he couldn't die. Loki went up to Hod and said, hey Hod, you should throw this. I know you're blind, but you should throw it, and I'll help guide your hand. So he did, and then Balder died. Um, 
And then they tried to get him back to the afterlife, but Hell uh, said only if everybody cries and Loki didn't cry. But he was disguised as nice as a giant giantess at the time. Anyway, so Baldur stayed dead. So the reason I feel bad is because Hod kind of was tricked into killing Baldur, and it doesn't really seem fair that he had to had to be killed for that or punished for that because it wasn't his fault. But then it's kind of a cautionary tale. You shouldn't do things you don't know the consequence of. Um, Again, maybe that's not his fault either. He was blind, so it was very hard for him to know that 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 spirit that he threw was going to kill Balder. But I think the idea is he's still ultimately responsible because he ultimately threw the spear and maybe we really have to be careful and vigilant to make sure that we're not tricked or we may be used for nefarious purposes. And then you sort of get into the idea of like, what is vengeance? Why do we have vengeance? Is vengeance to make us feel better? Um, probably not. Because uh, we say vengeance, like, oh, this person killed my wife. So now I need my revenge and I'm going to go kill them. And at first blush, you're like, well, you know, if we all just getting these giant blood feuds everyone's going to be dead we shouldn't have vengeance we should just forgive people for the things they've done and like sometimes that's appropriate and sometimes that is what you should do but also sometimes it's difficult because sometimes there needs to be consequences for your actions or these people's actions so that they don't do the thing again or even just to keep them out of society because they're dangerous because what we call what what our ancestors called vengeance back in the day is we is what we call the legal system or justice today because if you think about it if someone were to kill your spouse you wouldn't just say don't do it again you would get vengeance but you wouldn't do it by confronting a murderer that would be stupid because you might lose and then you would go to jail like that's not how we do things because we're civilized you would call the police and say someone killed my spouse and then you would work with them and then the state would exact vengeance on your behalf by catching this criminal you know who murdered you giving them a fair trial and then if they were found guilty putting them in jail right so that's what vengeance is we just don't use the word vengeance anymore now we use the word justice but i think our ancestors when they said vengeance they were more thinking about um what we call justice today so why do you do vengeance why do we have vengeance why was Vali a god of vengeance and why did he kill Hod was it because the gods were mad and wanted to see somebody suffer for what happened to Baldur well not really because they were mad at Loki and he ends up getting punished pretty brutally himself later so why did we have to kill Hod it didn't make anyone feel good because everyone was mad at Loki well I, I think anyway, my interpretation is they had to kill Hod because he was a danger to everybody else. If Loki could manipulate Hod easily, other people could manipulate Hod. And 
And I don't think we'd go as extreme as death, you know, for a story maybe, and maybe in a more brutal time like our ancestors lived in, death is the right answer. But that's not we go what we do today. If there was a person who let themselves be used and abused by others into doing illegal things, then, you know, we need to take them out of society because they're going to end up doing an awful lot of damage. You know, in a perfect world, we'd reform them and make them make them like not do the things anymore of their own accord. But at the very least, we need to take them out of society. And that's sort of what we use the legal system for today, where we're like, oh, this person did something that they shouldn't have done. And, you know, it's rarely the person's fault. Like, even if it's something simple, like you robbed a convenience store, it's rarely the person's like, I'm evil and I'm going to go do an evil thing today. You know, it's usually more complicated than that. Maybe there is a really, maybe they thought there's a really good reason to rob that convenience store. Maybe their friend convinced them to do it. You know, whatever the case may be, there's all these other circumstances in there but we can't just let people rob convenience stores in a civilized society because then we can't have commerce and all these other things. So in the old days, what we would say is, oh, well, I'll get vengeance on that person. And, you know, if it's a super serious crime, murder level crime, then you might kill them. And if it's something smaller, like they're stealing from their neighbors, you know, even if their friend convinced them to, if they're stealing from their neighbors, maybe they'd be exiled. So today, if you're, for, for most crimes, you'd go to jail for, or prison for some amount of time. And, and the reason we do that isn't for any personal reasons, like we feel good about people suffering. I think the reason we do that is we need to make society safe for everybody. And I really think that when we look at the story of Hod, the reason we had to kill him is because he did morally do something wrong by killing Balder. And also he let himself be tricked into doing something wrong. And regardless of his intention, he was dangerous to society. So like, like I think the story of Hod was... And the reason he was punished is his negligence. Like he didn't try to do something wrong, but he also wasn't being vigilant to make sure he wasn't taken advantage of. And I mean, that's something we need to do as people today as well, I think, which is really tricky and really difficult. Like there's some situations where you just have no say in the matter at all. You know, you can imagine... A, you can imagine a situation where science fiction is always fun for these because you can have things like hacking someone's brain and making their body do stuff. So that's like a, a fun one for like science fiction. It's like you can imagine a situation where our brains are all on the internet and someone hacks your brain and makes you murder someone. Like that's not your fault at all and you probably wouldn't be, you probably wouldn't get in trouble for it because you truly did not do anything wrong at all or you know in in modern society maybe you kill someone but it's because you were 
just driving your car following all the traffic laws and someone jumps in front of you as a way to commit suicide um, that could be something where though you led to someone's death you don't get in any trouble but on the other hand if you're driving 150 you know you're driving 100 miles an hour through a school zone and a kid walks in front of you no you didn't try to kill them you are probably really upset that you killed a child but it is your fault because you you were being negligent or if somebody convinces you that you're co-worker or maybe their spouse is evil and like satan incarnate and then you go kill them because you were convinced to do it and you think you're doing the right thing that's still your fault because you should have done your own due diligence you shouldn't just assume that oh yeah this person is 100 percent right you should say like no this is this is the action that i'm doing so I need to do my due diligence and make sure I'm really doing a good thing. And there are very few instances where killing someone is the right thing. Like, sometimes, you, you, it's complicated. You can, you can argue about whether or not the death penalty or war in general is just or not. But from an individual perspective, 99% of the time, killing someone is not the right thing because you shouldn't be doing that even if they're evil you should be letting the legal system handle that um and you know i will say even back in the day we had thing people people wouldn't it wasn't the wild west in the sense that people were just going around challenging each other to duels and killing each other many a times that would happen in the confines of thing you know you go to thing and say like this person wronged me in whatever way uh, so I'm going to ask them to be exiled or even you you could have a duel and fight it there but there was a legal framework that they used and we should continue using that legal framework uh, anyway got way off topic there and actually you know this has run for a while now i'm hitting up at the half hour mark which is usually where i like to stop just because i don't want to get too rambly so i'm going to wrap it up i'm going to wrap it up there leave my closing results as tier and heimdall are both really important interesting gods to look at um and, and yeah, I guess the whole vengeance thing is, this is one that if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you've seen me get off on this tangent before. One I always struggle with because letting yourself be consumed with vengeance and wanting to get back at people is really unhealthy and really detrimental to your, to your life. It doesn't make you happy. It doesn't make the world a better place. And most of the time, it leads to unethical actions. On the other hand, the legal system is a system that we do use to get vengeance, really, these days. And that's not a bad thing because we do need to keep everybody in society safe. So when we're, because when you look at our ancestors, there's a lot of people getting vengeance and that being the right thing, the volley story, 
obviously comes to mind first. So how do we make sense of that? What do they mean when they say vengeance? And I think it's what we're using when we use the word justice today. Our word vengeance is very is not really very well defined. What is vengeance in today's society? Is it taking justice into your own hands? Or is that just being a vigilante? Uh, is vengeance overreacting and you taking more than they took from you? Because then that's not really the original meaning of definite or the original meaning of vengeance that our ancestors were talking about. They were talking about like just keeping society safe. So the whole vengeance thing is a good one to think about, but also one that you really have to be careful on because it can definitely lead to some negative things if you're not careful. And I do think that's why as a society, we took it out of the hands of the people because, you know, the whole the whole idea of you personally um, exacting your own revenge, there's a lot of feelings and a lot of messiness involved in that. So that's probably one that taken out of the hands of the individual as much as possible is the best way to do it. Anyway, I will go ahead and wrap up and say look at Tyr because he's very interesting and Heimdall, he's really interesting and there's a bunch of cool society stuff. But I will go ahead and pick up again next time. So hopefully somebody got something out of this. Thank you very much for listening and I will talk to you next month. Oh, show station news. If you want to check out my website, do that at hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. And I would suggest you subscribe to the RSS so you get the podcast as soon as it comes out because it's always around the first of the month, never on the first of the month. So subscribe to the RSS. It'll just pop into your podcast player of choice. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you next month. Fry hell.